Uh, I just it it was really interesting preparing and thinking through and reflecting. Okay. On because that was six years ago. Right. And I was thinking, wow, I can't believe six years has gone by and how much of an impact it still has hmm. on my spiritual formation. Okay. And thinking about how I didn't have any idea what I was getting into when I started. <laughs> Nobody did, I think. Yeah. Introducing Chris Bertelli. When I started my narrative, if you will, with the fact that I was a, I think I even said white male Republican. Um, the person who's sitting next to me, um, her shoulders went up. Like it was a very, it, it was, a, it was an obvious uncomfortability, uncomfortable space that she found herself in by me actually just verbalizing that. And I knew that was gonna, I kind of knew that was gonna happen because of what I had been hearing from so many other people's stories about their lived experiences especially in the context of the politics that were happening at the time. And that was the most powerful, one of the most powerful statement I have heard in, in the entire series of the Cultural Learning Group. So Chris, thank you for coming on today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason why it intrigued me because you are a man of so many things. You, you are a good-looking man. You are a spiritual person. You are intelligent. You are involved with uh, education. You have many passions. You have a business. You're a consultant. Yet, you chose the label that has so many pushback <laughs> during that time. We're talking about 2016, right? Right. Can you tell us uh, how do you come to using that label? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, during the Cultural Learning Group, it was, it, we had spent so much time, and it was the first time for me spending that much time simply listening to people's stories. Um, so I had heard so many stories from participants uh, where after week after week after week, it had, it had started to sink in that what I it, by you know, what I had done kind of as a as a career I bet a career in politics up and you know before this time um, the the beliefs I had held um, the positions I had taken politically that kind of stuff um, was in some ways to an explanation for why people felt uncomfortable. And we had African Americans who were expressing what they had felt living in, uh, living in, we had a couple of folks who were living in the Deep South who had expressed their, their feelings about that. We had people who had so talked about the fact that there was a this sort of like, these ideas that were always aligned with, uh, or at least aligned more recently with the Republican Party and conservatism um, uh, were, were buttons that would, that, you know, made people feel bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't trying to make anybody feel bad by, by saying that. I was trying to essentially 
let people know that I like I have long identified with this an ideology um, with uh, kind of a political party a political system not because I felt I wanted to do something to you but I now see the results of what of what at least part of what I you know kind of my belief system had had brought forward and I, and I wanted to be transparent above all I wanted to be transparent I didn't want anybody to feel like I was because a part of me got a little bit defensive internally as I was listening like I'm not like that I'm not like I would never make you feel the way you, but wow maybe this you know but I didn't have your your lived experiences and what you had done and what I had come to believe and come to advocate for had the had the inadvertent um, result of making people feel and it, it terrible and live in a, live in fear in some ways. So I wanted that to be transparent. I wanted that to be out there. I think you were truly transparent. In, in fact, I think you were not only transparent, you put yourself in a very vulnerable position too. And because, uh, like I said, that label had a lot of pushback and you brought in this label so from what I heard is that um, you want to bring in this label because it was actually the label of the moment uh, in the context. Am, am I right to say that? Yeah, it was. It, it really was. It was something. It was just like you know what this is. I'm going to put this up front so that I, I don't get to it later. I don't describe how I grew up. I don't describe this, and then I, you know, and then sort of like on a timeline get to this piece of it because I want people to know the perspective from which I was coming. Um, not to explain away anything, mm -hmm. but just to say... Um, this is part of who you are. This is part of who I am, exactly. Yeah, okay. So in other words, you're not bringing the label, I'm a male, white, uh, 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 Republican, because that's all I am. But you wanted to bring that to the table because that was actually the subject of, the, uh, of that time era. There was a, if we wanted to practice transparent and uh, transparency and, and vulnerability that's part of the things you have to bring to the table and and I, I thought there was um, that's really interesting um, you, you talk about your upbringing too I remember now remember you have to remember too so you're talking to somebody who spent most of, most of his life in California and you, and you were raised where again Kentucky Kentucky that's like a different planet to me. Yes. So when you were talking about your life in Kentucky, and I think I told you before, I had in my mind, and I'm not kidding, I had in my mind of uh, Clark Kent telling us, us about what life was like in Smallview. I have your face as Clark Kent, you were like jumping over cornfields and racing <laughs> trains. <laughs> and, and then when you told us that uh, you worked for Mitch McConnell at one time, right? Sure. Now, no disrespect. But my first impression, my first uh, um, deep impression of Mitch McConnell came from watching John Stewart mocking him on The Daily Show and depicting him as the turtle that raised uh, Bucks Bunny in Looney Tunes. Yes. And I was like, uh, okay, wow, who's this guy? <laughs> but anyway, what was he like anyway? Was, was he a good boss? He was a great boss. Oh. Actually. So you have to remember when I worked for him, was in the mid 90s mm -hmm. um it was after so you know i had gone to washington in the early 90s uh young conservative um 
you know, wanted to, you know, I, politics for me was something I enjoyed f very intellectually, not so much. I wasn't a culture warrior. I wasn't, uh, I, I, I wasn't out to, to right wrongs or to fix things. There was an intellectual debate about so many issues that I really enjoyed into this day. I actually still really enjoy the intellectual back and forth that comes with ideas and solving problems and how we relate to one another. There's still an intellectual side of me that really enjoys that. That's why I was there. Um, and so, you know, he, I, I went there in the election of 1994, it was when Republicans first took the House Representatives in 40 years, they took the Senate. Um, and so there were, there were some, some pieces of that um, that were really sort of uh, kind of interesting from an intellectual point of view. Um, and one of the first things that Mitch McConnell did when I started working for him, and one of the first issues Republicans wanted to bring back was an amendment to prohibit the burning of the American flag, which you would think was a typical red meat Republican thing. And McConnell was in the process of essentially saying, I, I voted for that in the past, I'm not voting for it again because it, it, it hits too close to violation of free speech for me. Um, if he said he, he wanted to be very, very consistent on free speech um, issues. So one of the things was like, I'm not voting for an amendment to prohibit, you know, so prohibit the inverting of the American flag. So there were, there were lines that he walked that I felt had, there, were, there was a lot of uh, honesty to them and, and a consistency of intellect. Um, I don't know what happened <laughs> in the intervening twenty some odd years or whatever it is since I, I was there. I, you know, I, I think like anybody else, I just kind of look at what he did during the Trump years and uh, even before then, and just kind of shrug my shoulders a little bit and say, I don't pretend to really know where we are anymore as a as a society in, in politics. And, and I suppose you may have. Uh, uh a different perspective if you're still working for him too because you have more inside information because I suppose politicians do a lot of things on the outside for reasons that you know that we don't really know so but anyway uh, there's anybody's guesses but you know you, you mentioned about the intellectual side uh, to uh, politics and I think that's a very interesting point because one of the things I want to ask you is about uh, how you would look at a Republican and a conservative after 2016 because to me 2016 is the watershed it's a line that cut across time when not only uh, just Americans but especially for conservative and uh, Republicans looking at their own party at their own ideology have a lot of self-examination and uh, I can list a, lo a, a list of people who are still con consider themselves conservative that they have left the Republican Party. Uh, you know, I can think of uh, uh, for non-believers, it would be people like uh, George Will, uh, Brett Stevens. Uh, for Catholics, I can think of uh, Ross Douthat, uh, 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 David Brooks. And then even the, on the evangelical side, I can think of uh, Peter Werner. David French, I'm not sure that he ever you know, actually left the party or not. Uh, but then we have uh, people like Russell Moore, Beth Moore, <laughs> these are big names. So uh, to you, does um, 
Well, conservatism, does it uh, change the meaning? Uh, or what about for the political party Republican? Uh, does it change any meaning for you? Would you still use that same label? Or would you have a different branding for yourself now? Oh, I would. Uh, I don't think I would ever utter the phrase that I'm a Republican right now. Again. Um, <laughs> for personal safety reasons? For personal, no, no, no. Not, not so much. It's, no, it's, you know, Reagan, you know, Reagan once had the famous. Uh, the famous quote, as a former Democrat, uh, he said, you know, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left me, um, right. which was it, it, always the way he described his, the evolution of his beliefs in becoming a Republican. Um, I, I think clearly now, again, from, I think it'd be very difficult to look objectively at, re, at what Republicans are today, elected official Republicans, people who are active in the party, and and make a determination that they are still have that sort of what I would consider more of the the conservative or even like libertarian leanings that sort of defined where I was for decades mm -hmm. and what I worked toward um, for so long. So um, there's no doubt that 2016, I think it's it, it accelerated. Um, something we were already seeing. We were already seeing a trajectory that direction. And I think the, the you know, Trump being on the scene essentially just, just took that trajectory down, you know, basically a 90 degree nosedive um, to the bottom. And I, I wouldn't, I, I have no way to describe um, what the Republican Party is or stands for these days. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Um, let, but let's go back to, to the point uh, in 2016, six years ago, when you when you make that powerful statement in the cultural learning group, um, your neighbors cringed. But that's who you who you were at that time. Well, you probably still are a uh, conservative, right? In a way, so that's not that's not changed. Okay. So um, so, but from that point on, explain how do you how does conservatism uh, work in your life? How does it operate in you? Is it like a footnote to uh, Chris Bertali, or is it like something that permeates uh, through you, yourself, your whole self? Is it something you preach? Is it something you put into the back of your mind, put in your pocket? You only take it out when you're called for. What does it mean to you? That's a great question. And I, it, it's something I actually reflect on a fair amount these days because um, People I've known for a long time, or even people I've known just for the last few years, know that I used to work in politics for a long time, and so they want to take my, get my take on certain political things or whatever's going on. and And I find that uh, as the last six years have gone on, the part of me that was identified by being a conservative, a cons having or having conservative political beliefs, has really has has receded steadily over the last six years as my faith in Christ has proceeded more to the front. Please elaborate. who I am. Please elaborate. So I think, and maybe, you know, in 2016, I don't remember how much you knew about this, but like I had come to Oak Hills Church in 2014 as a very new Christian. Really didn't know what, I didn't really understand, even understand very much of what it meant to be a Christian. Um, Oak Hills obviously is is steeped in spiritual formation and discipleship. So I was just at the, it was nascent in me, 
Um, so my identity was still very much wrapped up in um, kind of what other people could see, the things I had, um, the, the, the sort of the earthly beliefs system, things like that. Um, and as I have continued on this formation journey over the last six years, my identity as a, as a Christ follower and someone who tries to live a life way more thinking through uh, my role as a Christian and what that means on a day-to-day -day basis rather than what does it mean for me to be a conservative politically um, like that, those 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 two things have have gone have now, have now flipped. Like it used to be, Jesus was in, Jesus was in the back, conservative leanings are in the front. Jesus is in the front, conservative leanings are in the back. Six years later, Chris, you can't see it, but I, I just want to tell you, I'm having goosebumps right now just listening to that. That is so incredible, amazing story that you're seeing that you're telling me right now. Wow, that's that is like the transformation of Chris Bertali. Yeah. And what you need to know is the cultural learning group, I, it was one of the, the two most formative things I engaged in. Wow. To this day, to this day, because um, the, the one thing, I, and I actually, one of the other, I, I mentioned this to one of the other people who was participating in the cultural learning group at the time when we first started, because you didn't tell anybody when we started that we were just going to be listening for weeks to people. Right. Like, you listen, and then you write down what you heard, and you yeah. reflect. Yeah. And I thought, oh, goodness. I've never spent that much time listening to people. And oh, I was you, like... Please, please repeat that what you just said. Please just say that again. <laughs> I have never spent that much time listening to people. Confession here. I don't think <laughs> no. any one of us has spent so much time just listening to people. No, but it is... <laughs> But because of it, and because of the fact that, you know, at, 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 for me, at the heart of, of being a Christian, at the heart of being a follower of Christ, is being of service to others. And the very, and the very kind of, you can't be in service to others unless you take in who they are without projecting something on top of them without trying to constantly fix, without trying to constantly manipulate a situation. You're there to be who they need you to be in that, in that moment. And, and the, my, the beginning, just sort of the beginning nuggets of my discovery of that part of being a Christian was in the cultural learning group because we weren't there to fix anybody. We weren't there to have discussions. We weren't there to, we weren't there to have a, a conference on how to make society Better, how to make us better toward one another. That was kind of that's you know that's sort of an outcome eventually, but that wasn't the explicit purpose. We weren't there to to have big conversations. We were there to hear other people, and that was profound. And, and my confession to you right now is that uh, although I was one of the facilitators from the very beginning, I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> I was just learning along with you and everybody else in that room as we were going along. That's uh, good to know. Yeah, <laughs> good to know you didn't have any idea what you what was happening, and you threw us all threw us all in there to do that. 
I was going to ask you how how does um, Christianity inform you as a conservative? Uh, but then you kind of um, you know talk a bit about that. You you said that that's actually been like uh, there the Christianity and conservatism actually on a reverse mode in your life uh, is because of your transformation. Uh, so I think that was just, just wonderful. Um, anyway, to, to let you know, to I for myself, uh, I think I, I in general I like to hang out with uh, Christian liberals more. The reason is because um, you know you, you don't have to be any anything goes basically, right? I mean, so I, I won't you know step on any toes. Uh, Non-Christian liberals depends, <clears throat> right? Because there's a whole spectrum of them. If I if I have the chance to hang out with somebody like Ezra Klein, you know, I probably wouldn't understand what he's talking about anyway. <laughs> uh, and and uh, uh, some liberals can be actually very intolerant of the Christian position. So so you know it's kind of hard to say. But I find myself like to read when I read right. I like to read conservative intellectuals because they actually have more boundaries and they have more. Therefore, they have uh, uh, to me a more solid argument. Uh, in terms of, uh, of my Christian position. So, uh, do you look to uh, liberals for anything at all? So, I, I wouldn't say that I, um, I look to liberals or I look to conservatives um, to gather information specifically. There are sometimes on issues where I'll be curious, like I'll know what I think or I'll know what I kind of think I feel based on my conservative leanings, and I'll ask someone who's more liberal just just to get an idea. But at the end of the day, um, there's so much to be learned um, from so many people and their lived and their lived experiences, their perspectives, and and as long as we can enter into those conversations with open hands and open hearts that says, yeah, I may not agree with you at the end of the day on this, but I still love you. Um, that is a spot where I really I find uh, that the communities that we build to allow us to have those conversations um, are more important than the outcomes of the conversations themselves or whether you arrive at something, because just having that space in this day and age is unique. You know, Chris, if it's up to me, I think we can probably uh, skip the one of the Sunday sermons and just broadcast this uh, conversation. I think it's a great conversation. And, and just want to put it on record, I never cringed on the day when you uh, said that, you know, that statement in the cultural learning group. The only time that I cringed was the day you told me you're 50 year old. And I was like, whoa, what? No, you're going to be younger than that. So now it's on record. Chris Bertelli, thank you for coming up. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity.